0: come to believe that there's something powerful when nonprofit organizations work together with other nonprofit organizations, with government agencies and businesses, but we have to put some design thinking into play in order for them to really make the best social impact that they can and not simply take up a lot of time in meetings that
1: nonprofit leaders don't have to deal with or don't have available to them. Hi, everyone. Tristan McIver here, Program Advisor at AMC NPO Solutions. Today on The Strategic Nonprofit, we will be exploring the intricacies of a not-for-profit network. I have invited Dr. Michelle Shumate on the podcast today. Michelle is the founding director of Network for Nonprofit and Social Impact. Professor Shumate holds a PhD from the Annenberg School for Communication at the University of Southern California. Welcome, Michelle, to the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast. Thanks, Trista. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. So uh, please share with us a little bit more about your work and founding NNSI and how you know things just came about that way.
0: Yeah. So I am a professor. Right. So I own that. I teach a lot of students at all different levels. But one of the things about being a professor is I get a chance to do research and I wanted in founding the Network for Nonprofit and Social Impact to do two things. One is that I wanted to collect all of these amazing undergraduate and graduate students and new faculty members who are just eager to work with nonprofit organizations. They love all the nonprofit organizations they can work with. They find, want to find opportunities to support them. And so it was a great place to gather them all together. But the second piece of it is I really have come to believe that there's something powerful when nonprofit organizations work together with other nonprofit organizations, with government agencies and businesses. But we have to put some design thinking into play in order for them to really make the best social impact that they can and not simply take up a lot of time in meetings that nonprofit leaders don't have to deal with or don't have available to them. So that's really why I started it. So it's a research lab, meaning that we do research, um, but we also try to do as much engaged work as possible, meaning that we spend time with usually about 100 nonprofit organizations over the course of a year where we work with them and work on implementing some of the the evidence-based practices that we come up with.
1: Well, excellent. That sounds like very exciting. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, you just mentioned a little bit about design mindset. Can you explain a little bit more about what, what that entails, especially with creating a, uh, a not-for-profit network?
0: Yeah, so I work a lot with students and, uh, and executive directors who have an idea for a network.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They say, I think that we can do more together than I can do on our own that there's a power in putting people together in a room. And so they have an idea that they think they can achieve better educational outcomes or they can achieve better impact in terms of getting environmental regulation on the table, right? And so when they approach me and they say, how do you do it? My first question to them is, okay, how would you start a nonprofit organization? Can you put that same kind of entrepreneurial mindset to work? Can you think about all of the choices that you'll have to make in order for your network to function really well? And sometimes when we think about starting a network, we just think about, oh, we'll just get some people in the room. We'll have breakfast. We'll talk about things and and something will come up, right? Like we'll find a way to work together. It'll just happen. But my experience is that effective networks don't just happen. They're deliberately planned and designed where you think about who has to be at the table. And if certain groups are missing, you're not able to achieve the same social impact. You have to think about how will decisions get made because all of these organizations don't work for the same entity, right? So does everybody get an equal vote? Does that mean the smallest nonprofit and the biggest hospital system get equal votes in everything? That's a design decision. How will your network working together actually create change? That's a theory of change decisions. And all of those decisions have to line up. And that's why it's design thinking, right? Because you don't just want to make good decisions each point in the way. You want them to add up to something more altogether than they would just by making those decisions independently.
1: Right, right, exactly. So I guess not all problems are sort of designed for network solutions,
0: I don't think they are, right? So one of the things that I've come to realize is that because so many funders put in grant work applications, that little question, who are your collaborators? That nonprofits almost collaborate by default, right? We're, they're just, it's become part of the mindset And the problem is, is that that takes a lot of time and a lot of resources to do, right? So you can think about the executive director out there who's looking at their calendar right now, trying to figure out when they'll eat lunch because they have meetings all day long. And before, in the before times, they were driving around. Now they're just on Zoom all day, right? So that's become part of the way that we do work. But that's time that that executive director isn't spent on doing strategy for their nonprofit. It's time that they're not spending doing fundraising for their nonprofit. Profit. It's time that they're not spent doing some of the staff management and development work that they want to do in order to help their organization grow. And I think that you have to have a network payoff in order to take that executive's time. If you can do something without a network, I think it's better to do it without it because Networks cost a lot in meeting time. Every time that I start working with a new network, they're amazed that it takes six months of bi-weekly or every two week meetings for us to all get on the same page and put things together and figure out the funding and all of those decisions, that time adds up. And networks actually require financial resources to run. Right, They don't happen for free. So they can become a competition for fundraising dollars for the nonprofit leader. So if you can do something without a network, right, if you can accomplish your project on your own by just raising a bit more money or just hiring a new staff, that's easier. I also think networks are not really great solutions in the times when problems are chaotic, meaning that everything is changing so fast that every week it seems like this problem has completely shifted on you. Networks take a long time to set up and to set up well. And the research behind this says that you're talking three to five years from a time of inception till a network begins to make a social impact. If a problem is changing really fast, you don't have three to five years to wait around. You just need to be responsive to the problem as it comes. And so networks aren't really a great solution for that either. I think networks are a good solution whenever you have really what sometimes they call wicked problems or problems with lots of unknowns. Because there are some things that networks can do that nonprofits can't do or at least can't do as well on their own. And that's what I really think this, the moment where you need to think about, do you have the investment and the time and the resources to really make that social impact? And can you really design
1: a network to enable you to do that? Yeah, I was just actually going to touch on that. So, you know, you mentioned what a network can do that a nonprofit can't do on its own. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I think there's there's only a few things, actually, that a, a network does that a nonprofit can't do on its own. I'm a real big believer in nonprofits forming networks for really four purposes. One of them is learning. And yes, nonprofits can learn on their own. But there is something special about being able to learn in a network because you can look around at the data and figure out what other organizations are doing that you haven't even thought of yet, but that might make a bigger social impact. So I'll give you an example. Here where I live in Chicago, Illinois, there's a a group of organizations called the Chicago Benchmarking Collaborative. And this is a set of agencies who do early childhood and adult education. They have this kind of two-gen approach to things. They decided, partly because a funder encouraged them to decide, to come together in a network for the purposes of learning. And they decided what metrics they were going to track. They all entered the data using the same metrics, apples to apples, for early childhood literacy, for what it meant for children to attend particular mentorship programs, like how long do they have to be there, all of this data. But that allowed them to do is to pull a report and say, wow, so-and-so's organization in this network, their mentorship program is causing these huge leaps for their kids in a ways that the rest of us aren't. And all of a sudden they just turned to that organization and they said, What are you doing differently in your mentorship program that we're not doing? Help us understand. And they were able to learn. It was just a tweak in strategy about how they were uh, aligning mentors and kids with one another that was different from everybody else. But all of a sudden, they had this like aha moment because they could compare data. And everybody could just talk about their mentorship program without the data. And no one would know if it was really which one was better. But because they were coming together and they could benchmark across each other, they could have this aha moment and their all of their programs get better because they're learning together. So that's one way that networks can help nonprofits really catalyze their learning. The second thing I love that networks can do that sometimes individuals and nonprofits can't is advocacy work. Advocacy work sometimes is better in a coalition because there's multiple voices who can reach different stakeholders and they can really enable them to amplify their message. And there's a group here in the Midwest in Illinois that has done this in terms of climate change. It's across 10 U.S. states, and it's called REAMP. And REAMP is really around trying to reduce the amount of carbon emissions that we produce in the Midwest. And they said about 10 years ago, their target of making sure that there was no additional coal power plants built in the Midwest, that that was going to be their lobbying effort. So they brought together initially 10, but eventually hundreds of organizations across the Midwest with that goal in mind and with goal of getting concessions out of the energy companies. And since the time of their inception, the energy companies have made ambitious changes to the amount of carbon that they are producing and really have flipped the switch in the Midwest to being mostly renewable energy and no additional coal power plants have been constructed. And many of them have been decommissioned and taken down because you have the power of multiple voices in the way that a single organization wouldn't have been able to achieve that on its own. So that's the second thing I think they can do. The third thing I think they can do is what we call systems alignment. And systems alignment allows us to think about problems that are really complex, right? So my favorite example of this has to do with thinking about childhood obesity. For a long time, we thought childhood obesity was a problem of like, okay, we'll fix nutrition, we'll have kids exercise more, problem solved. And then we've done more research and realized, oh no, no, this is an urban development problem. This is a family dynamics problem. This is a problem in terms of education systems and how you spend time. Because the problem is pretty complex, if you want to try to address all of the different facets of it, you need multiple organizations all to align their efforts in order to address that problem. And that might mean the city government figuring out how to design Um, more walkable communities. That might mean working with the school districts to figure out how to make sure that physical education receives a due amount of time in every day in the school day. It can mean working with local community groups, do a campaign around everybody eating at the dinner table together, which is a great predictor actually around obesity. And so that's another thing that organizations can do. And so it's, it's about aligning existing efforts and helping putting everybody on the same page. And the last thing I think a network can sometimes do that an individual organization can't is that they can help to diffuse a great best practice. So what I mean by that is you can have an organization who has an idea, they find out it works, they've got the evidence to back it. The way that they're going to scale their social impact is getting more organizations, more communities to adopt this great practice. And so they often create networks of organizations across communities in order to diffuse the practice to different groups. It's something that you can do uniquely because of its geographic spread in a network, but sometimes difficult to do whenever you're dealing with an individual organization that's placed down. So four different ways. I think there are amazing ways for nonprofits to think about scaling and scoping their work and improving their work. And they are things that I think you can uniquely do, or at least do better in a network.
1: That's incredible. I never even thought about, um, you know, the fact that a single organization can, you know, work together with uh, similar organizations and be able to come up with, you know, as you said, that project of finding out what can we do differently. You know, mm-hmm. we think we're making such a great impact, but what can, you know, we do, to, what, what's this other organization doing that we're not, <laughs> you know, yeah. and working in a partnership like that. That's, that's yeah. incredible. I think yeah. that's the next evolution really
0: in um, program evaluation. So we talk about the challenge of program evaluation a lot, that individual nonprofits often don't have the money to do it independently. Um, We're trying to develop better standards around program evaluation. I think the next generation of great program evaluation is network program evaluation, where we look at our similar programs and we try to compare our data to one another and we learn from one another and we all get better.
1: You can only get better. (laughs) We hope. hope. (laughs) So um, was there anything else that you wanted to to share that that you haven't uh, up to this point?
0: It's one thing. The thing that I really want to share is that working together in a network is a powerful way that you can, in fact, move the needle on social issues. There's lots of examples, and we have several in the book. Um, where organizations working together have made differences, not only for their clients, but for their entire community. You think about organizations like the Graduate Network in Philadelphia, where they've had over 80,000 people who started their degree go back to school for, and complete that degree, right? And that was a power of a network approach, I think about groups like AgeWell Pittsburgh, who works with seniors, and they've developed such a network that their seniors who they serve have lower hospital readmission rates and are able to stay in their homes longer than seniors across the United States, right? They can show proven results that make this worth the effort and make it worth the effort of doing it well. So I started off by saying, make sure that it's worth the cost. I guess what I want to end by saying is... For some of the most pressing and complicated issues that nonprofit leaders face, a great network strategy sometimes really pays off in terms of the social impact it can make.
1: Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle, on the podcast. Thanks for Um, having me. This was fun. Welcome. If anyone wants to learn more about your organization, uh, your book, uh, what you do, how can they get in touch with you?
0: Um, so a few ways. One is that you can always check out our website. It's nnsi.northwestern.edu. That's the, the Network for Nonprofit and Social Impact. I'm also on Twitter at Prof Shumate. Um, And so you can follow me there. And I'm also really active on LinkedIn. So it's a great place to follow what we've been doing. Um, we put out regular blogs and reports, just trying to continue to share the best evidence we can with the nonprofit community.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And to get in touch with me, you can find me on LinkedIn by looking up Trista McIver. And you can also reach out to me on our website, amcnposolutions.com, where I'm happy to help organizations with governance training, strategic planning, and bylaw reviews. Take care, everyone. And I hope you'll tune into the next episode of The Strategic Nonprofit. If you want to take your knowledge, skills, and nonprofit organization to the next level by mastering governance and strategic planning, join AMC's NPO Academy. The link is in the notes.